I have made the decision to take a step back from coaching, and this could possibly turn into walking away from coaching forever. This is something that I've been thinking about for months, if not almost a full year, and it's not something that I've made lightly. I have so much to share with you in this episode about control and fear and creating an identity around goals. I also share a lot of the thought process behind what it took for me to get to this place of feeling like I really do have to walk away, um, either temporarily or possibly forever. I hope that you enjoy this episode, even though it's a little bit different and a little bit more personal than most of our episodes. But thank you as always for taking the time to listen, and I hope you enjoy this one. Welcome Black Sheep, welcome South Asian women and femmes, welcome LGBTQ loves of all kind. My name is Roshni, and this podcast is called Becoming Enough. I'm a self-worth coach, and I'm here to help you learn to let go of your old life and the life that you built when you felt unloved and unworthy, and welcome you into your new life of high self-worth, where you know your value and you trust yourself fully. My greatest passion is talking to you about self-worth and this journey of loving ourselves and believing that we are enough. Get cozy, grab a cup of coffee, or get ready for your walk because this is going to be another beautiful episode. I hope you love it. (sighs) Okay, I'm nervous about this episode. Um, but it's something that I do really want to get out there. So welcome to a brand new episode. (laughs) You might hear me just taking some deep breaths at the beginning of this because, um, I don't know, I've been a little bit nervous to record this episode and I feel like I'm getting pre-vulnerability hangover. (laughs) What I really want to talk about and kind of this season of life that I'm in is a big season of learning how to trust and learning how to let go of control. A quote that I saw recently was talking about how the opposite of doubt isn't calm, but it's actual trust. That resonated so deeply because I've been oscillating on this wave of going from doubt to trust and bad for quite some time now. As you probably know, I left my job in kind of the end of December and I have, I haven't talked about this a lot yet, but I have actually been uh, taking some classes and learning some new skills. I'll probably share more about that soon or maybe later in this episode. But what I've been able to unearth during this process of being at home and being terrified because I suddenly quit my job and, you know, figuring out finances and balancing that with trust and balancing this new career journey um, with with trust and facing a lot of the trauma that I've had in the workplace and facing a lot of, you know, insecurities I had about myself as a person um, has really colored the last few months and I've ridden probably the highest highs I have in a long time and I've also experienced some bouts of some really low feelings that I thought I was past or I thought that I would almost never feel again Uh, but the biggest thing that I kind of want to start with and I'm kind of I do have some important announcements and updates so I'm gonna weave that 
throughout the episode as I kind of share more of more of these lessons. But the thing I want to start with is what it looks like to let go of control. And I didn't want to see how much of my life I had been controlling. And for most of last year, especially when I was at my job, but even outside of that, I was just feeling so much resistance, feeling like I couldn't trust myself. Again, that the connection between control and trust is so big. There were so many things that I just felt like I was I was pushing a boulder up against a hill and I was constantly burnt out and I was depressed and I was getting sick every single month and I just felt awful. Leaving that job was probably one of the best decisions that I made but even in the first few weeks after leaving that job I knew that it wasn't just gonna fix my life to quit one job. I had to be intentional about creating the life that I wanted and before even though I knew that I was always a little bit afraid to go for it so what that allowed me to confront is looking at my life before and looking what made, at what made me unhappy and what contributed to my burnout other than just placing all of the blame on the job I had before was, was so important for me to learn where my mindset really was. And a big part of, you know, everything that I'm going to share in this episode is, are, is just like a series of hard confrontations that I've had to have with myself. To, to go through all of these things is always so different from the inside than what it looks like on the outside. And I, th- I think these invisible experiences are the things that I like to talk about the most. Um, because they're the things that are so real and refreshing to hear whenever people do speak them. And for a lot of us, especially Black Sheep and South Asian Femmes, there's a lot of things about our experience that people are afraid to say or people are afraid to talk about. And there's even things that I'm afraid to say. But as much as I can continue to push my own boundaries, that's that's what I feel called to do because these things are so difficult and we don't often talk about how much we have to succumb to sitting in the discomfort and how that can take a long time as well, right? Um, so what letting go of control has looked like for me over these few months has been releasing certainty and a big part of that is just knowing that no matter what, I will never know if it's the right decision, right? There may have been a few things like when I was sharing my experience about getting into college and knowing that this was the right school for me, I that was probably the most certain I'd felt about anything. And even now, sometimes I'm like, God, should I have transferred? Like, was that really the right place for me? Right? And and maybe it was and we'll never know. Um, and it, obviously, it's led to my life being here. Um, so I don't necessarily regret it. But no matter what you do, there's never going to be 100% certainty. And for me, I always spent so much time looking and waiting to be sure or doubting myself because I was like 95% sure about something or 90% sure about something. And that could even be, you know, something that I'm doing for my business, right? An offering that I put out there or something else. Like I, I create these things from the heart, but do I know if they're going to be the right things. Do I, will I all, like no business owner has a hundred percent certain certainty about every single part of their business, right? That's why businesses always grow and evolve and put new things out there or rebrand or, you know, scale down or scale up. Like there's always change happening. 
And so with so many of the things that I spent my time on or so many things in my life, there was always kind of this other percentage of, well, what if I did it like this? Or what if I moved here? What if I did that? What if I left all of this behind? You know, those things always would creep up. And I took that in the moment of instantly being wrong. I took that as, oh, if I'm, if I'm 95% sure and 5% of me is, is questioning this or is, is, is doubting this, then I, then I'm completely wrong. And I think there's a a difference. There's a way to say, okay, if I'm questioning it, you know, what are those questions saying? What can I learn from this? What can I investigate a little bit deeper versus saying to yourself, everything I'm doing right now is wrong and I need to change everything or else I'm never going to be successful or lovable or good enough. It was that release of knowing that just because I... I'm not experiencing 110% certainty about every little thing that I'm doing or putting out there or or sharing or choosing for my life doesn't mean that I'm a bad person or that everything that I'm doing is wrong or that, you know, I, I'm just making horrible decisions. And another thing is that it's okay to make mistakes, right? Even with the 100% certainty, there's a reason you want to be certain. And that reason for wanting to be certain is because you don't want to be made to look like a fool or you're afraid of making a mistake or you're afraid of failing. And fully letting myself immerse myself in that or know that mistakes aren't bad and release that internal process of shame that I was putting myself through every time I made a mistake that was also in tandem with releasing certainty what ultimately allowed me to let go of control because that gave me the permission to say okay if I'm 80% sure and I do it anyway and I fuck it up I'm still gonna be okay and that brought me to a much deeper level of self-love and self-acceptance than I'd ever experienced. I also want to tie this to another point about letting go of control. For us Black sheep and for us South Asian femmes, we always had to justify ourselves to our parents. And whether that's, you know, what major you're doing in school, if you didn't pick one of the two chosen options for majors that they gave you right or um, if you wanted to go off and start your own business or do kind of a non-traditional career path or just something that doesn't even have to be non-traditional but it could just be something that isn't a doctor or a lawyer um, those things would have to be justified right Um, dating someone who your friends are whether you wanted to whether you were allowed to go out on the weekend or you know go out even to study group on a on a weekday um every little thing at least I can speak for myself but every little thing that I did I had to seek permission and I had to justify I had to make three good points about you know why you should let me hang out with this person or why I should be able to go out on a on a weekend or on a weeknight or um you know and a lot of the times we still heard no even after coming up with all these points and coming up with this argument. And so when you're constantly seeking permission, when you constantly are living under a a big authority who has the power always to tell you yes or no, you can or you can't, when you are always trying to justify yourself to someone else, it feels 
impossible to make mistakes. It feels like you're letting yourself down, like you're letting everyone else down around you, like you owe everyone around you success or greatness, like failure will bring shame upon you and your entire family. And how many of us South Asians, both men and um, women and femmes, like any South Asian parent pretty much that I've heard of wants you to be successful. And many of these parents have said, you're bringing shame upon our family if you don't, you know, get your PhD, if you don't graduate college, if you don't get this, a job that pays this much, especially for, for the boy, the boys or the masculine energies out there, um, pressure on, on women and feminine energies to get, a, uh, to get married immediately, to start a family immediately. There's just constant pressure and a, a constant need for you to do all these certain things so that you don't bring shame, shame upon the family, right? So it very much is this argument of you're letting everyone else around you down if you are, if, if you don't do what we tell you to do. And with black sheep, you know, for a lot of us, if we had narcissistic parents, emotionally immature parents, parents who are emotionally unstable, we never knew what we were walking into. We did constantly also have to justify things to them for different reasons or, you know, especially with, with narcissistic or with really controlling parents, if something doesn't make sense for them, they don't see the point in it right? And so you almost have to justify everything to, well, this is why it's good for you for me to do this. And obviously that just leads to difficulties in relationships down the line because you have to always put someone else first. That's what leads to people pleasing and all of these same habits that we see in adult children of, you know, emotionally immature or narcissistic parents. There's constantly this need to please other people to be something for other people to make other, to to justify your own existence through your good behavior and that sucks right that is the definition of you are not good enough that is the definition of them saying you don't get to just be who you are you don't get to make mistakes you don't let, get to make me look stupid you don't get to make me look bad everything that you do is a reflection of me and i'm only going to be you know, seen as this kind of person. And as you grow into a teenager, you start to become really cognizant of that, maybe even when you're younger, but you realize like, I'm doing all of this for my parents' ego. You having to do something quote unquote positive, like getting good grades or going to college, but knowing that you're doing that for someone else's ego puts such a damper on things and it takes away from your own success. And fear of success is such a big thing that black sheep and a lot of South Asian women is that's very palpable in their lives. And with a lot of my clients, I've seen so many people struggle to shine, struggle to be, you know, bigger than they thought they could be or to claim, you know, their, their role in what they want to do or to, you know, push the boundaries. They're afraid of that because of this very reason. I also want to talk about failure, right? And get into this a little deeper because when you're letting go of control, failure is always going to be on the table. And when you can create a deep peace with knowing that you can always change directions, that's what what you can do to help you get through your fear of failure. Because it's important to acknowledge your fear and not all fear is bad fear. But at the same time, it's also important to know that 
no matter how many times you fail, you are capable of picking up and moving directions. And I'd done this in my life a few times at an early age, but there was almost like a subconscious belief or a limiting belief within me that felt like I had done it too many times, right? Oh, you've pivoted too many times, so you can't do it again. You can't do it anymore. You can't continue to like change every year of your life. You know, when people will tell you things like, oh, you're flaky and you're this and you're that. And there's a difference between actually being unreliable and irresponsible and not being there for people around you or not being dependable and just changing directions. It's okay to try new things. Failure just means pivoting. That is literally invaluable advice because for so many people, failure seems like the end of the road. And especially when your dreams seem so big. Every time I talk about dreams, I always get this visual of like, being in like kind of a like forest woods area and it's kind of hilly and you're walking down a trail and you just see like this upward mountain and this giant hill in front of you that you're climbing and that's what you know chasing dreams feels like and it feels like if you were to fail you would just walk off a cliff like you would just like plummet to the ground, to your death. And the thing is, what we're seeing when we're looking at our dreams, when we're looking at our path ahead of us, is we are just seeing the dream. We're not seeing every other possibility around us. And sometimes when you're so laser focused on one thing, which trust me, has been my life for years, it ends up closing out so many other possibilities and so many other talents and so many other positive things that could be in your life because you're afraid to walk off that cliff. But what you'll realize is that you're not just walking off that cliff, you're just changing terrain, like you're changing your map, right? And if you keep going, maybe you'll come across an ocean or maybe you'll come across something different, but you have to change the perspective so that you're not just looking up at an uphill battle and all you can see is like a little bit of dirt in front of you and some trees. You have to shift from your perspective so that you can take a better look at the map, like zoom into a bird's eye view and see all of the ways that you're able to pivot, all of the ways that maybe going straight uphill this giant mountain isn't the right way for you to go. Maybe if you walk laterally and you seem almost like you're not making progress upwards, but you're going sideways, you can actually get to a spot where it's a lot less steep and it's a lot easier to climb, right? There's so many more possibilities than we let ourselves see. And this, I want to talk about this more later, but this obsession with, you know, business managers and people telling you how to run your business and social media managers and this analytic and that analytic and how to grow your engagement and blah, 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 like all of these things. And I'm talking about, you know, a specific dream of content creation. Every single industry, and there are people that you learn from and you most certainly should, you know, this is where you get important knowledge that people have spent their entire careers cultivating. But you also have to be able to draw a boundary when it comes to how much of how much are you going to let your voice be heard and how much are you just going to regurgitate someone else's voice and someone else's opinion or someone else's art? There has to be a separation between the advice that you're getting from everyone else around you and what you know is intuitively correct. So if everyone is saying that the only way to go is up, you have to be willing to look at the other possibilities, even if even if you end up being wrong, or even if they judge you in the process, that you can pivot and that you have more than one option and that 
you're going to be okay is so important in making terms with failure. And failure is important in knowing how to trust. You're honoring yourself. You're honoring your own intuition. You're honoring your own needs instead of just getting caught up in how other people tell you to play it safe. But speaking more about this social media side of things, right? And other people's voices and industry experts and everyone who seems to want to teach someone else how to do something these days, which again, isn't bad. Like I'm not against these people, but just the sheer volume of how many people's opinions we come across, even in the span of a day, let alone scrolling every day for a week and every day for a month. And then every day for years, like that's a lot of people's opinions that we're constantly shoving into our brains. And one of the things that I didn't realize until recently is that having so many other people tell me how to run a business or how to do all of these things, ultimately made me identify, over identify with my creations and with my dreams and I almost stopped seeing myself as just a person with a business and I only started seeing myself as like a business owner or a person who dreams of being um you know fully self-employed or you know whatever other like spins or titles you can put on that so much of the advice you know that you get especially at the beginning of any new journey and any new dream is first of all you start comparing yourself to the experts and wondering why you're not there yet but also this underlying idea of hustle culture ends up seeping into you in a way that is much deeper than you could even think and for so many people you know one of the big things I heard was how you have to be consistent and how you have to be persistent and how you can't ever give up and all of these things. And after a long time of having that drilled into my brain, while the message in itself is not necessarily bad or wrong, when I was very much a beginner in everything that I was doing, I took that to mean like, almost like you can't, you can't have breaks. You can't, um, break away from this deeper pursuit of a goal. It was that. It wasn't just, you know, resting or taking naps or or not posting. It was this deeper feeling of you have to represent this dream at all times. And that ended up eating away at me because I stopped respecting who I was as a person. I stopped looking at myself as an individual with different goals and dreams, I looked at those goals and dreams as intertwined with myself, like we were enmeshed. And running a personal business where you are the only employee or also being a content creator where you share your life, all of these things are so tied within your personal life. And that's why even from an earlier point, I tried to make some barriers between what I would talk about online and like my full personal life I always knew I didn't want to share every little thing because having some semblance of privacy is super important to me even just on a personal level but all of these underlying messages for so long and this constant need to look at the life lessons I was learning and how can I share this best with my audience and everything that I've always shared has been genuine and I think you can tell that as but over time, always sharing what, what I was learning as my personal lesson or always 
feeling like even behind the scenes, I could never put this identity of being a business owner or being someone who is creating this thing away on a shelf. And for me, because a lot of, I, I'm also a spiritual practitioner, I'm also a tarot reader, and a lot of the the downloads that I get to talk about, especially early in my career with like my Instagram captions or some things that I would share in my YouTube channel, like a lot of those, I would just get like these intuitive hits of what to share. And because of that intuition, it felt even more like I was I was taking things that were so deeply personal and and sharing it. And again, like it was I always had, you know, permission from from my guides to share these things and the, like it it wasn't harmful in the moment. But it was over time that I started to feel like I couldn't separate my business from myself. And that's when I started to get a little bit concerned because I I wanted to show myself a deeper sense of self-love. I didn't want to make myself feel like I was an employee to myself and not a full person. I didn't want to be that terrible employer who only sees their employees as one-dimensional, even if that employer and that employee was me, right? And the reason that I'm talking so much about my business is that I'm actually taking a break from self-worth coaching. So I believe I'm going to accept offers until June 15th, which I know is not very far away. So if you are interested in getting a self-worth coaching, um, I would, I would book one for me as soon as you can. Um, right now, based on my calendar, as long as you book it before June 15th, you can still book it for a little bit later, like a little bit after that date. However, I won't be taking any more coaching sessions or coaching clients after June 15th. Um, right now, I believe that I'll at least be taking a break until the end of September. But I'm not sure um, what will happen at that point. I don't necessarily know if I will come back at that point. I don't know if I will kind of rearrange things in my business. I don't know if I'll rebrand. I kind of have a million ideas at once, but I'm also purposely not moving towards any one of those ideas because something that I would do and something that in some ways is a gift and is also in other ways something that holds me back is when I get an idea, I want to turn it into reality like immediately. And I'm a Gemini rising and an Aries moon. I don't know if that has any explanation of why I feel like I'm in such a rush to make things happen. But I love the process of taking something that's in my mind and turning it into reality, whether that's me doing ceramics or making a painting or making a podcast episode or anything, you know, that to me is like magic, you know, that's like true alchemy. And I want to, I want to do that every time I have an idea, but I also can't do that because I have a lot of ideas and I also can't carry them out to their full potential if I am doing everything halfway. So I'm purposely not making any decisions and not forcing myself to choose whether I'm doing a rebrand or whether I'm I'm being done with coaching or wh whether I'm, you know, just trying to figure out an, a new way to to organize my business and my offerings. But all I know right now is that I need time and I'm I'm purposely trying to take this as slow as possible so that I really can settle on the right 
intuitive answer. And I, I think there's no way to rush that. But because coaching and because owning a business was so part of my identity, it just felt a lot of the things in my business felt more personal than they needed to. And because of that tie between my identity and things going good or badly in my business, both had a reflection and something to say about my identity. And it's just as dangerous in social media and with a business to focus on the good as it is the bad. Because with the good, like if I, you know, I, I had a launch when I first launched my Tar my live tarot offering that I still offer over Zoom. And the weekend that I launched it, I had multiple clients book the service. And it, like, I literally remember I was waiting at the grocery store and I had some emails to answer. So my partner went inside and started shopping for groceries and I was sitting in my car and I literally picked up my phone after I parked the car um, to, to get to some emails. And I saw two new emails of new clients just within the span of a few hours from my lunch, right? And this was a service that was over $100. And it was like in 2020 during the pandemic. And even though it wasn't something that like I made $10,000 overnight, to me, I was so grateful that I put out like it felt like magic that I put something out. And it didn't feel like I was killing myself to put out the launch or to meet a certain deadline. I just did it all from my intuition and receiving the love and not only the clients, but also the beautiful feedback that I received about those readings was priceless. Even that was dangerous because then every time a launch didn't go exactly like that, or every time I posted something that got less likes than the post before, which has been an absolute train wreck since Instagram has like changed their algorithm like 14 times. All of all of those things were just as damaging and feeling like I had the the capability to make every launch a success and then watching that not happen at least a couple of times was enough to make me feel like I was I should be ashamed of myself as a business owner or like I was incapable of, you know, get, getting things done. And it started piling in all of these new limiting beliefs that I didn't want to make room for, but I couldn't separate them because my business and my coaching practice and my spirituality and my intuition was tied together to my identity, to every lunch, to every offering. And, and it was even harder to make changes to my business or to cut off a service or to, you know, close something down or to raise my prices or to do anything because it was so tied to, to my personal existence and to my identity. That feeling was terrifying because I knew things needed to change in order to honor me, but I also felt like I would basically cease to exist if this business failed or if I felt like a failure. And so as much as part of me was saying things need to change, another part of me was saying I won't let myself give up. And both of those felt like good things. Um, it felt like I'm right to not give up. And it also felt like I'm right to slow down and, and let things evolve as they need to. And this constant, constant resistance was 
playing a part in my mind. And truly, I literally just had a tarot reading about this that I posted on TikTok today, but nothing drains you more than mixed emotions. Not being able to make a decision or feeling like you're stuck between plan A and plan B and facing resistance and facing, you know, decision fatigue. Nothing is more draining than that because you like you almost can't even commit to the hard work and by the time you do, you're already exhausted and then the work feels twice as bad or 50 times as bad as it needed to and when that compiles over a long period of time everything becomes unenjoyable I thought I came to terms with the fact that I actually hadn't made peace with failure as much as I thought I had what I realized as well was that this time this feeling of failing in my business was also rooted in separation from my family it felt like for so long, especially connecting to the first point about needing to justify yourself to your parents, success was always a way to get their approval. And it felt like a much deeper chase because it felt like not only have I on this journey through my business and through my healing, not only have I realized I need to separate in a lot of ways from my family. If your whole life you've been told that you just have to be successful, you just have to do this, you just have to do that, it felt like maybe this is one way that I can win them back. And so on top of all the other pressure that I was putting on myself, that was an underlying current through, you know, the the last decade of my life, even in college, even before I started my business, there was a deep, deep need and desire and fire to achieve success because that felt like a ticket to being loved. So even now to take a step back, coming to terms with failure also means coming to terms with all the things that you thought success would bring you. For so many of us, that is love from our parents or our grandparents. I also want to talk about releasing these expectations, right? A big part of me letting go of control and accepting failure was this idea that I could just focus on having a good life and redefining what success looked like to me because a part of me always felt like, oh my God, like if I'm successful, I'm going to have to present something at like a big conference or I'm going to go here and network with all these people. But it's like, for like that could be amazing if it's like a TED talk or something but also like a that could be 20 minutes of your career and b what i was picturing in my mind was so much more a reflection of like what success looked like in the 90s than what it looks like now and i'm literally picturing like these like gray carpeted like conference rooms and i've been dragged to like i went to so many of these as a kid you know for um, for my dad's jobs or for different conferences or different things that, that, you know, we were attending. And I remember falling asleep in like random back rooms or, you know, like falling asleep, like on my parents' lap, like at a big conference. And for some reason that was so tied to my identity of my success in a subconscious way. It felt like I need to be in a stage in front of a lot of people. That's also not necessarily what the most beautiful or like the pinnacle idea of success even is anymore and for some reason I was like I'm never gonna get there into that picture that was in my mind without even considering for a second that I don't want to be there <laughs> and that isn't the most fulfilling thing for me right so even focusing and redefining 
what success looked like and that that could just be having a great life, allowing myself to be stable and to have a good foundation and to take trips or to be spontaneous or to just have a good group of friends. Like I, like I think we overcomplicate what beauty and what a good life and what success looks like. And ever since, you know, social media, we start comparing our two or three bedroom house to like these mega mansions and thinking that our home isn't enough or that we're not aesthetic enough or we compare ourselves to other people's careers of having 30 million followers and think that our voice doesn't matter or we compare you know ourselves to all these different ideas of success and it feels like with all these things that are being posted everyone else has it but you you know and social media has that way of making us feel so isolated and so alone in our struggles and again that's why it's so important for me to talk about these invisible feelings and these invisible experiences but realizing that I could and I had the power to release expectations to be anything was a deep realization that I don't have to produce or achieve things to be worthy of love. And that's why this is so tied to this idea of proving success for your parents or or proving, you know, how capable you are um in as a as a ticket for parental love because Sometimes you're striving for things that you don't even want. And what if you were able to say, you know what, I am enough and you can either see it or you can't. And to take that not as a reflection of who you are and what you can be and who you can be and what you're capable of. And instead to look at that as a reflection of them and to to acknowledge how sad it is that they can't look past trivial surface level things to really love you and that maybe they're the ones who are missing out on having you as their kid or as their family member or just just as a person in their lives they should feel lucky and they don't even get to experience their own gratitude because of how many walls they're putting up they're making everyone achieve like it's their own barrier to connection that is preventing your relationship from growing closer because when other people have these certain expectations of what everyone else in their life has to do are they pulling people closer or are they pushing them away they're pushing them away anyone who comes to you and says to be my friend to be my partner you have to do a b c d e f and it's like those those qualities could be inherent that could be what you would do anyway, but to have someone give you a list of things and say, you have to do this to be around me, like that, I literally talked about this in my last episode on being good enough. That's not enticing. That doesn't feel good. That's not like, ooh, let me spend more time around this person. That's like, I feel like shit around this person, even if I can check off every box on their list. So it's not your downfall. It's not your fault. And you are allowed to live a mediocre life. You're allowed to live a life that on social media would be considered mediocre. You're allowed to have your tiny cottage in the woods or your tiny apartment or, you know, like you're you're allowed to live on the first floor of a 42-story building and still love it. And not everyone has to be the best person in the world and you sure as hell don't have to be anything to be worthy of love. To realize that I don't have to do anything, that I could never 
pick up social media again, that I could run away from it forever, that I could ditch my podcast forever, that I could say goodbye to everything that I thought I wanted so badly and still be a good person, still be worthy of love, still be proud of myself and still have a life that I'm proud of, that is everything. That has led to the most full expression of my inherent self-worth. And it's helped me see that I'm not here before this a message of self-worth and this message of talking to black sheep and talking to South Asian women. Like I've loved it and I felt like it was a purpose for me, but I almost felt like I was not worthy without that purpose. And this is me realizing that I could walk away today forever and so deeply still know my own worth, so deeply know that even if I walk away from a huge idea that I had or something that I felt was my purpose or something that was a pillar of my life, I can I can walk away, I can run away, I can never think about it again, I can rest even after walking away and not feel guilty about it, that changes everything. And to just give myself that permission slip has already helped my mindset in so many ways. And I don't know if I want to walk away from it forever, but what I'm doing right now isn't working for me. And I don't think that it's that it's not the actual coaching. That's even the problem. I love my clients. I've made great changes in my clients' lives that they that in my clients' lives that they've told me about, right? Not even things that I ever expected to hear. And I've never had, you know, clients that I hate or bad clients or people that try to screw me over. I've never had to, you know, I've never had clients that try to intentionally like, or really in any way, take advantage of me or or hurt me. It's not any kind of deeper beef like that, or it's not, you know, s- someone else telling me that I can't do this. And the actual feeling of coaching someone or being in a session is something that I love. But having this pressure of filling out my coaching calendar, constantly working on marketing, like I spend so much more time thinking about Instagram or content creation or posts or what I'm going to say next or what's going to be groundbreaking or what new perspective I have to offer or what haven't other people said yet than I do even with my clients. Because in order to get clients, at least in the world of social media, you have to have a presence. And even that is something that I'm trying to challenge in ways. And I do have people who find me through word of mouth as well, especially with my tarot readings. But Taking these steps back has been so important for me to make sure that I'm also not harming clients and and thankfully that hasn't happened and that's why I know it's time for me to take this step now. Um, I need to do it now before I go into a, a coaching session that I'm not ready for. So it's not the coaching sessions or the coaching itself that I hate or that I've completely fallen out of love with. It's everything else that that has made me do or that I felt like I had to do in order to book out my calendar that I don't want. And 
I feel so disconnected from launches. Like I see so many coaches out there who are just doing launch after launch after launch after launch after launch. And to me, that just feels exhausting. And even as a consumer, sometimes like I don't want to see someone promoting something new every week and tell me how it's going to change my life, you know, and no hate at all to the people who are doing this. And especially for the people who it's working live your best life. You know, if that's working for you and if that's sustaining your business, that's what you should do if if that's your passion. But to me, that just has been draining me more than anything. And even with like workshops or different offerings that I've had, like I'm sure you've, you've noticed that a lot of that has slowed down because I literally did not have the capacity for it when I was at my last job. And since leaving that and working on the other skills that I've been developing. And it also wasn't in my best interest to kind of move backward and start creating a bunch of workshops and promoting a bunch of things when I knew that a part of my heart wasn't in it, regardless of how great the content was, right? Um, It's not about the content right now. For me, my heart has to be in the right place of, of wanting to be that facilitator and wanting to be that coach. And wanting to do the launching process of it and and having that energy and that sustenance to like push forward through those really hectic and crazy times. Um, I want to talk about just a couple other things before I wrap this up. And I know this is a longer episode than I've had in a while, but um, again, just, just a lot to say, as you can tell. So I want to talk a little bit about doubt. Doubt doesn't mean that you are bad. It just means that you're experiencing doubt. You're just experiencing doubt and knowing that you are experiencing doubt, that you are not someone to be doubted because you are experiencing doubt about yourself gives you space to be kind to yourself instead of shaming yourself. When you start to say, okay, I'm still a good person. I still have great ideas, but right now as an artist, as a creative, as a business owner, as, you know, a, a person in in my field in this career, I'm just experiencing doubt. I'm experiencing imposter syndrome. But letting yourself be a person who is experiencing that gives you space to see where compassion can fit in. And When you are compassionate, when you're like, oh my God, okay, wait, you're overwhelmed. Let's pause. Let's take a beat. That almost immediately, every single time leads to embodiment work. Because even if you're like, okay, wait, we need to like go lay down or we need to take a few deep breaths or we need to, you know, grab our comfort food. I need to go get a Kit Kat or I need to go, you know, get, get an ice cream cone. Um, some, for some people it's smoking weed or it's vaping, but you're doing something with your body to self-soothe. And at a certain point that can also, you know, especially if you're already taking deep breaths or for me, when I'm having a panic attack, you know, my therapist told me to grab a cube of ice. And now if I'm capable or if someone around me can, I always ask for, for, you know, just some ice so that I can like hold it and and feel the cold and let that calm me down. But reaching into your body is so important because you're doing it, first of all, here from a place of compassion, but you're also taking that moment to see yourself as this person who has some extra needs right now and meeting those needs with not just your basic needs but also with extra care if you can um and those that extra care could just be 
speaking kindly to yourself, right? I'm not saying that you have to go and buy yourself like a Starbucks latte every time you have a panic attack. You actually probably shouldn't do that and should probably be avoiding caffeine. Um, I feel like that was a message for someone out there who like is having a lot of anxiety and like currently drinking a lot of coffee. But where if you have the ability to show yourself that extra care on top of meeting your basic needs, that's where healing and freeing, that's where healing and freeing your being begins. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't, okay. <laughs> but that is where the magic happens, right? Because you can't fix everything, especially when you're overthinking and when you're constantly living in your mind, like so many of my clients do, so many people in this community do, like I do, you can't think yourself out of overthinking, right? That's just more overthinking. That's more, well, it could be this way. Oh, it could be this way. And then that's, you know, decision fatigue and trying to pick a path and try, like, you can't think yourself out of overthinking or, or panicking. You have to ground into the body. And like, we are literally earthlings, like earth and grounding is so important for us. It's important to our very essence and our very being. And so in these moments, air is thoughts. Earth is grounding, right? Uh, grounding is quite literally the opposite of thoughts. And when you're meditating or when you're laying in the sun or when your feet are in the ocean, like even for a little bit, so we all have this like moment. It could even just be 30 seconds or five seconds, but you stop thinking for a little bit and you just enjoy it. Like that very first bit of sun that comes out after like a long winter the very first time like your your feet hit the sand that feeling is so good and so grounding and so soul filling that you stop thinking for a second and that's why this embodiment work is so deep because your body will always hold on to more than what your thoughts will allow you to meet and acknowledge doubt always told me that everyone else had the answer that I could never get. And it told me that I had to be someone else or a better version of myself before I could see a reward. And it was that reward that is what would cement that I was good enough. So what I didn't realize at the time, subconsciously, is that I was always putting an obstacle between me and my worth. And Obviously, like, this is what I've been talking about for years. I realized that on micro scales, and now I've just been realizing it in an even deeper chapter. And this is why I always say that self-worth is going to be lifelong work, but you still can build deeper foundations, bigger foundations that you can stand on that are more stable. That em emotionally, when you have more emotional stability, you can go into the recesses of your subconscious more directly because you have a level of safety that you are meeting. This is the first phase of being out of survival mode, right? You go from surviving to just barely living, right? And then you go from living to feeling a little bit more used to it and finding some patterns and finding some routines or or finding some ease with with your process and then from there you you build and you build all of that work all of that healing all of that time is you building a foundation and as you build a stronger foundation the deeper that you can go which then creates more 
room for freedom, more space for you to then start thriving, right? The transition from surviving to thriving is not overnight. And there's a long process in between, but all of this process is getting you to the place of thriving. And it is when you are out of survival mode. So continuing to do the work and stay committed to some level of healing, even if healing isn't your identity, is what will ultimately allow you to thrive. When you let everything in your life crumble and burn, that's when you can see how strong you are and how you can stand in your full being. So letting go of that doubt, letting all of this failure just like surround you like a fire is sometimes the most liberating thing. And I literally just got this visual of like almost like the eight of swords, right? But um, if you don't know what that looks like, basically just the vision that I'm having is someone just, just standing there and there's like a web around them right there's like cords attached all over to this person and it's not like they're being tied up or like you know someone's like torturing them it's just that they're standing there and they're not moving and they have all of these attachments to all the things around them and then a fire comes and it doesn't injure the person but it burns all the cords right like that is liberation that is facing failure that is facing your your biggest worries your biggest insecurities and letting everything burn and not being sure if you're going to go with it. Like, am, is this the end of me? Is giving up on everything that is my identity the end of me? And when you strip it all away and you realize, no, like that just cut the cords. Like I am so fucking free now and I am still me. That is like liberation. That is joy. That is everything all the cords around you almost created like this impenetrable wall around you all the cords around you made it so impossible for someone to actually see you they couldn't see you in your full form they couldn't see all of you because you were so covered by these cords that 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 were around you in every which way and now that they're gone now that these walls have crumbled now people also get to see you. Now people get to relish in your joy, right? Because think about it, when other people can't see your joy, when other people don't get to see your full power, your full essence of being, who are the kinds of people that are going to be attracted to you? The people, And not just in a, in a romantic way or in a sexual way, but like, what kind of people are you going to bring into your life? People who are living in their fullest expression, in their fullest joy, or people who like you to not be fully hidden. People who want to build on the cords that you have and tie even more cords and add even more rope to the mix and add even more baggage. What are the opportunities that you're experiencing when people aren't able to fully see you and when those cords are still tying you up? Is it something that is meant for someone who is free and liberated? Or is it meant, are you going to attract things for for people who are meant to stay small. And this visual really is so, so powerful in just kind of illustrating this, this moment of freedom and how it, it, it might be terrifying. I mean, if a fire is coming towards you, that, that it's terrifying. You might feel like you're going to die. And that's the thing when you don't, 
not only are you free and are you liberated and can you dance and jump for joy, but you're grateful. You have so much gratitude for it feels like a second life that you have been given. And that's how it feels to feel your worth, to know that you don't have to do anything, be anything, accomplish anything, prove anything, to be so worthy. And you can see it first. You can be the only one who sees it. That's the thing about not proving it to anyone else or not needing a job or not needing a relationship to prove your worth. You don't have to convince anyone else. You literally do not have to. You don't have to convince your parents to see your worth. You don't have to convince someone you're dating to see your worth. You don't have to prove yourself to that group of friends or to your employer. When you know your worth, you don't owe anyone else anything. And I want to be careful of that, right? We owe the world being a good citizen, being compassionate and loving. But you don't personally owe other people parts of your identity, right? You don't owe someone 40 years in a career that you hate so that they can give you approval. You don't owe someone getting married at 25 to someone who scares you for their approval. You don't owe someone having kids for the rest of your life for them to accept you and for their approval. It is possible for you to make decisions that serve you, to do it because that is what it looks like for you to honor yourself. And that freedom that comes from knowing your worth and knowing that you don't have to prove anything allows you to say, fuck it, it all burned to the ground anyway. So now we just get to dance. Now we just get to be grateful for what we have. It all burned. So now we get to do whatever we want. The worst has already happened. That's the thing about facing your failures. The worst has already happened. And that creates an insurmountable amount of strength within you. So this is the journey. And before I let you go again, I know, I know this episode is getting long, but the last thing I want to say is that I know um, it was just Mother's Day. I don't believe I'll post this before, before Mother's Day. So I think when I'm going to post this, Mother's Day would have been yesterday. Um, but I just want to send some extra love to everyone out there and to my community. Go listen to my Mother's Day episode from last year because that's honestly a personal favorite of mine and there's so much great like wisdom and recognition in, in that for you. But honestly, just just love yourself. I hope that, you know, the, the day that you had was as good as it possibly could be and I hope that you don't beat yourself up too much about about how you handled it, right? There's not a perfect way to handle this. And whether that did come with guilt, whether that did come with shame, whether that came with grief, whether that came with sadness, whether that came with joy that you feel guilty for, however you handle it is okay. And it's your way of getting through it. So um, just know that you are so, so loved. I feel a million times better getting this podcast off of my chest. So thank you so much if you stayed till the end for listening to all of this. And as you know, I am going to be ending self-worth coaching sessions. So if you are interested in in getting a coaching session soon, um, just sign up at the link in my show notes. Um, again, they're available till January, uh, sorry, January until June 15th. And with all of that being said, I'm sending you so much love. Bye. 
Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Becoming Enough. I am so, so grateful to have you here and that you listened to the entire episode. If you found that this episode helped you in any way, please share it on Instagram and tag me at BETIGREWUP. And if you'd like to support another way, I would really appreciate any donation of any kind. There's going to be a link in the show notes where you can donate or write a review on Apple Podcasts. Those reviews help me so, so much and they help other people like us find the podcast as well. If you'd like to take our journey a step further and work together, you can find the information on how to book a tarot reading or a self-worth coaching session in the show notes below. Thank you again, and I hope you have a beautiful week ahead.